Welcome to the Soul Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at soulluxlife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. Welcome to the So Loves Life podcast. I'm Kristen J. Watson, and I have a special guest here today. I'm so excited. His name is Joshua Lysak. He is a celebrity ghostwriter. He pretty much does it all. Every day, Joshua helps authors manifest the mission behind their voice. Joshua is the world's only award-winning celebrity recommended, number one, international best-selling certified professional ghostwriter. He is founder of the Entrepreneur's Wordsmith LLC, Ohio's first certified professional ghostwriter, a multiple number one international best-selling ghostwriter, a Forbes contributor ghostwriter, a TEDx speaker, a two-time published novelist. Since 2011, Joshua has ghostwritten 40 books and has been featured in TED, TEDx, BBC Radio, London, Founder, American Express, Yahoo, Fatherly, The Huffington Post, the list literally goes on. So I'm going to let you all meet Joshua and kind of hear in his own words how he's gotten to where he is, what led up to him becoming a ghostwriter. Thank you for that intro, Crispin. I am thrilled to be here chatting with you today. So I'll go ahead and just jump into that first question you asked, which was, how do I end up with all of those, well, everything <laughs> that you just said there? How, how did that story come to be? Yes. So, Shall I share the, the prequel to that, the origin story? Please do. Like, where are you from? How was life growing up? The good stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, let's get all into that. So, going back to the days of growing up. When I was a kid growing up here in Dayton, Ohio, which is what some call the birthplace of aviation, we're known for such things as uh, the Wright Brothers, who are from here. They built the world's first functional airplane. Um, actually, a short walk from my, my house. Everything wow. was named after the Wright Brothers here. Fun fact about not just Dayton, but the state of Ohio, is that we have the highest uh, number of U.S. presidents, astronauts, and wow. craft breweries of any state in the United States. So there's something about living in Ohio that makes you want to leave the planet, get drunk, <laughs> and rule the world. Rule the world, right? I need to move to Ohio. Maybe so, maybe so. In my case, I'm not really any of those things, but I am a professional ghostwriter. And here's how that came about. When I was a kid, I had a lifelong dream of becoming a professional novelist someday. And it turns out, before I could enjoy some of that tasty Ohio IPA goodness, mm -hmm. I had, you know, with 20 years old, I had a two-book publishing deal with a publishing house out of Washington, D.C. Wow. So at that time, I was kind of growing a freelance writing business. So I had some business clients, and I'm doing book fairs and signing books, meeting fans, and just having a blast <laughs> as a novelist, fulfilling a life dry, lifelong dream at the ripe old age of 20. It just so happens that a few of my business clients had heard about my novel. They checked out the first one in the series, the second one in the series, and they're like, Oh my gosh, Joshua, this is really good. Like, it's midnight, and I'm already 60 pages in. I don't quite know how you did that. What? Can you do this for me? And I think, well, what exactly is it you're talking about? What do you want me to do? And they say, well, 
I don't want to write a novel. I don't want to write fiction. I want to share my story. I want to write a book that tells my that journey, my experiences, how I got to where I am, and share some life lessons for the next generation. Leave a legacy. And what do you think I said, Crispin? What did you say? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> like a real idiot. I said, no, that's, that's not for me. I'm a novelist. You know, I, I, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as someone who writes books in the voice of another sharing their stories. Oh, how times have changed for me. But yeah. after some persistence from one particular author, uh, who is an inventor, actually, he's, he's the, uh, the first person to invent telepresence software. So you know how, Crispin, you and I are talking over, well, we're doing video, video chat, audio chat right now, Skype. Well, this before Skype, there was this guy, this author. And he, he kept on my case for a while. I finally said, sure, I'll help you write your book, and it'll be amazing. Guarantee it. And I have been saying that ever since to authors 40 ever books later. Since. Wow. So it grew into something that you actually love to do. Yes, yes. And once I got that, uh, that, that, I guess, that feeling of helping someone fulfill a lifelong ambition, which I had done myself, I realized that one of the most rewarding things you can do in life is not simply fulfill your dreams, but help other people check off their bucket list as well. Yes, so amazing, which is kind of the purpose behind So Lux Life. So enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life, but we do want to help other people, which is why I'm so glad I got you on here because, as you mentioned before we started, you said 90% of the population want to write a book, but they just haven't, or they're contemplating on whether they should or should not. So what would you say is the starting point for someone deciding whether or not they should write a book? That is the all-important question, and there is, in fact, a simple answer. Everyone, you're just going to be blown away by how simple this is. It's Your, your, your jaw is going to, 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 to drop. Uh, I'm sorry if your jaw drops, and, you know, we might have to, uh, you know, call, call an ambulance to put some <laughs> jaws back, put it back in the socket, but the answer is literally going to be that simple. The answer to the question, should I write a book, is, in fact, a question. And that question, which is the answer, is, do your readers already exist? Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you are an aspiring author, like the, you know, quite a few, several dozen clients that I've had that range from, as I was mentioning to you, Crispin, the celebrity preachers and televangelists and the A-list entrepreneurs on down to folks like great grandma who wants to tell her story growing up during the war. You know, everybody that kind of runs that, that gamut. Um, I always ask them, who's going to be reading this book that you want to write? And of course they'll say, well, my mom. <laughs> That's right. always the first one. Well, my mom, my friends are going to read it. I say, okay, well, who else? And it just so happens that whether you are writing a book on Christian living or you're sharing your, your story, you're writing your memoir, you are going to be writing a book in a book category that already exists, mm -hmm. a category that has potentially tens of thousands of books already available in that. In the publishing industry, we have what are called BISACs. Uh, BISACs are basically our category classification system for what type of book are you releasing? Uh -huh. And there are quite a few different book categories. Um, you know, for example, in the religious and religion and theology, 
space, there are so many different potential categories. Everything from biblical commentaries to Christian self-help to motivational Christian to uh-huh. Christian living, Christian commentary, you know, in every different denomination of, of Christianity you can imagine, you know, hundreds of, of categories really we're getting into. So the fact probably is you already have an audience of readers. You have future readers for your book that are already buying books in your space. The publishing industry worldwide is worth billions and billions of dollars. And especially if you're writing a book in the self-help, the religion, or the business categories, mm-hmm. self-help can include like health and wellness, you know, fitness, mental health, those sorts of things, which I think everything I just said probably fits most, if not all, of, uh, of your regular Solux Life listeners. Um, you have a profitable audience that already exists. So what you can do to really uh, hone in on what your audience wants is you can go and look at the reviews on books that are in your category. So maybe you're a digital marketing entrepreneur, let's say, and you know you want to you want to write a book to establish your expertise, become the go-to authority in your space, and turn new readers into actual clients of your marketing agency. So what you'll do is you'll go over to Google, Friendly Neighborhood Search Engine, and you'll go to Amazon or you'll go to Goodreads or Barnes & Noble, and you'll just simply search for best-selling digital marketing books, Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then you'll go to the best-selling page, which you know has a lot of the, the perennial bestsellers, maybe some that are 20 years old that sell really well. You'll see the new bestsellers that everyone's wanting to buy okay. and, and read. And you want to look at the neutral reviews. Studies show that most people disregard the one and five star reviews because they are kind of extreme. They're either you know super fans of the author, right. so they're or they're just trash talkers. Exactly. <laughs> On those neutral reviews, the two, three, and four star reviews. Okay. Look at those, and you'll find specific things that people want from books like yours. They'll say things in digital marketing as, as an example. They'll say things like, man, I was really hoping that they would talk about copywriting formulas. But they just said, learn copywriting if you want to be successful at marketing. Really? A, a paragraph in the book promises <laughs> teach me how to become a great copywriter? That's not right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Bookmarking your brain, friend. And you'll say, Maybe I need to have an entire chapter on copywriting formulas. And you'll just keep reading the reviews, and your audience, your future readers, your buyers, will literally tell you what to write about. So basically research reviews to see what the people want, what they're already reading, and what they want more of. Absolutely. And another benefit of this process is that it will slay writer's block for good. Because one of the issues that, I guess, one of the causes of writer's block is when you open up that Word document, you type chapter one, and you're at this strange paradox where you have nothing to write about, yet you could write about anything and everything. And it's the weirdest feeling that a lot of how my clients have, you know, they were previously aspiring authors, they become clients. And so what we do is we say, okay, what do your future readers want from the next book, a.k.a. yours? We do that, and the person is like, well, I know a lot about that topic. I hadn't even thought about writing about that. And yet we've seen 500 reviews where people said, I bought this best-selling book to learn about this, but they gave me a paragraph. I want a whole chapter. I want a process. And so that's how you narrow down 
the scope of your outline and your topic to write a marketable book, a saleable book, a profitable book, the book that you should write. So the question, should you write a book? Well, yes, the one your future readers want you to write. Perfect. I love it. So what would you say to a young writer they're ready to publish their book, you know, they've written it, all this good stuff. What would you say the first thing to do to market it is? Because I know a lot of people have a fear that no one will buy their book. Like, who am I? There's no way I'll make it on the New York Times bestseller. What's one tip you would give to someone that's contemplating and dealing with that fear? Yes, yes. So as part of my process with clients, I don't just ghostwrite the book and partner with them. Although I also do some done-with-you services where I'm kind of like co-authoring the book and they <laughs> still get to get that creative outlet. So they, you know, they're they're literally writing and enjoying that. But, you know, they're writing the best version of the book, not just the first draft. Okay. So in any case, the answer to the question would be put together an offer around your book and market the heck out of that, specifically through leveraged opportunities. Now, I just threw a bunch of abstract buzzwords out there, so yes. let's kind of unpack each of them. Let's. So the first thing, an offer around your book. Nowadays, every New York Times bestselling book launch onto the Amazon bestselling launches to the, to the, the, the book launches that sell tens of thousands of copies, of which I've masterminded a few in my time, <laughs> is put together something that makes the price of the book inconsequential. So the book's $10 for the ebook, 20 bucks for the paperback, 15 for the audiobook, whatever. Mm -hmm. Make a special offer that if your readers purchase the book in the first day of release, the first two days of release, the first week of release, you know, some short amount of time, if you buy the book, forward your purchase confirmation email from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever, mm -hmm. forward it to me, and I will send you this exclusive, super special training, access to a live Q&A webinar, additional material from, you know, you know uh, bonus chapters from the book, okay. uh, a free audio edition of the book, maybe if you buy the print or the e-edition, some sort of, or all of the above that I just said. Yes. Something that makes a $20 purchase feel like they got $1,000 worth of value and really promote that. And of course, there has to be a time constraint to motivate people to buy now. This episode was brought to you by feelgreatgoods.com. Made to order apparel and bags with a positive vibe. Printed in the USA with free shipping on all orders. Shop their new pancakes and wine summer collection on Amazon. You can also visit them on feelgreatgoods.com. That's F-E-E-L-G-R-E-A-T-G-O-O-D-S dot com. And use my code CRISPIN30, that's K-R-I-S-P-I-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. So we were on the topic of how to get people to want to buy the, you know, buy the book. How do you become uh, a successful, successful author? And we're talking about the launch and having there be an offer around your book that when people hear about your book, it's not author writes book. Like that's a boring right. press release, a boring headline, but rather you can get a thousand dollars worth of value, things that help you implement what's in the book better, faster and cheaper 
for 20 bucks. All you have to do is, you know, buy within 24 hours, 48 hours. I have bought so many books <laughs> over the years that I've never actually read just because I wanted to get the bonuses. For example, one of the ones on a recent uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller, uh, best-selling uh, book launch, what the author did is had a free live 60-minute call-in question and answer with him a week after the book was available. It was amazing because you're like, this is a famous, you know, literally a very famous author, famous person. Right. And I can jump on the phone and just ask them anything. I, of course, I have to buy the book to do that. So, and of course, it was presented as this person charges $300 an hour. You can talk to them, you know, voice to voice, face to face on Skype or Zoom for 20 bucks. And it's like, well, why wouldn't I buy that? I would be an exactly. idiot not to. So, of course, I did. Did I join the call? No. <laughs> But did I buy the book? Well, yes. It was an impulse purchase. Whenever there is a deal, if you can offer your readers like a freaking deal, you know, Just of course something they're gonna... that they can't miss. Like, okay, I would be crazy not to buy this because they're offering such good knowledge or training or something like that. I love that. I love that marketing strategy. So would you say like writing a book is like, owning a business in some sort because you have to really market it and put it out there and really sell it if you want to get it to readers. Right. Absolutely. It is. And one of the strategies, so I, and I mentioned my freelance business writing clients back, you know, from back a few years ago, one of the strategies that I borrowed from that successful world of the six figure and seven figure product launches uh, for clients is that we treat a book like the first purchase in a line of mini purchases. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I have one author. His book is available for like 20 bucks. He shot an unsolicited testimonial video, you know, 90 seconds. He said, hey, I, I shot this video to share with your, your future clients my results working with you. Here you go, have at it. So I didn't even ask him to shoot it, but he sent me this video. And he talks about how he used my book to build a $1 million product funnel. And wow. it goes like this. Someone buys the book for 20 bucks. The book offers content upgrades. So this is maybe, you know, separate from the bonuses where you buy now, like get a free live call a week from the launch date, a week from the publication date. But there's specific upgrades, like maybe there's a bonus chapter that if you go to this, you know, go to the website, um, you can you know, put in your name and email address and I'll send you the bonus chapter. In the mm -hmm. case of a digital marketing author, maybe what you can do is actually create word-for-word cold-calling scripts, email scripts and templates. Um, you know, maybe there's a, there's a webinar on how to put together your first advertising campaign on social media. But there's, see, there's constant upgrades that expand what's in the book. And you can even say something that's effective. I have so much more juicy material for you to implement the ideas and strategies in this book. I couldn't fit them all in the book because some of them are, are videos and trainings. <laughs> to upgrade your experience for free, just go to this website, put in your name and email address, download these templates and these scripts, all of this done-for-you stuff that makes it easier, faster, and, yes, cheaper to implement what's in the book. And then, of course, they sign up, they get into your funnel, maybe they get an invitation for a discovery call with you personally, they join a yeah. webinar you're doing, a live training, in a Facebook group that you've invited them to join maybe, and that's where they get the opportunity to take the next step with you, become a coaching or consulting client 
uh, get some done-for-you services, some high-ticket services maybe. There's an e-course, another e-book maybe. The, the possibilities are limitless. So what has happened is someone has spent 20 bucks to become a customer of yours. And as we all know, a, a paying customer converts at such a higher rate than a non-buyer. And so when presented with the next offer, a higher percentage of people are going to say, well, sure, I'll become a one-on-one -on -one coaching client. I read your book. You are the expert that I need to be working with you know, for my fitness regimen or mm -hmm. for my market. You need to hire your agency maybe. And that's how I have books that I write for my clients literally become business generation machines for their brands. I love that. So going back to where you said, like, all everything that I have, it can't fit in this one book. So how long do you think a new writer should wait between publications? Like they've written their first book, they've gotten past the fear, they put it out there good, they've built up a little audience. How long should they wait before they release another publication? Like is there like a time frame to where you don't want to lose focus of one book because you released this one too quickly, or if I wanted to release three in one day, go for it. <laughs> I think it depends on the size of your audience, in my experience. So okay. for the established brand, you have an established personal brand. So maybe you have a podcast like So Lux Life, people know who you are. Um, you know, you're not starting from, from scratch with five people on your email list. So if you have an established brand, the more the merrier because you have buyers, right? You have an existing audience. Maybe they've not bought from you, but they've bought into subscribing to your podcast, you know, getting your emails, that sort of thing. Maybe even some of them have joined a course of yours. So the bigger your audience, the more you should probably churn out for them. If you have a smaller audience, what you really want to do is focus on getting as much as you can out of all you've got, to quote the marketing expert, uh, Jay Abraham. So <laughs> your first book, you know, uh, market the heck out of it for six months, a year, five years even, if you if you really are something from scratch. That way, when people think about you, the mm -hmm. people that, that hear about you, like, oh, that's the person who wrote, and then they think of that one book, which title describes your expertise. So the first book needs to be the tool that everyone, when they when they hear you, they hear you give a speech, they hear you on a podcast interview, this person is the author of this book, this, this one book specifically, what really helps to kind of establish your, your expertise, plant your flag, so to speak. And that's the book that really should be what it explains your unique process for getting results, your unique framework or system or theory even. I have a lot of people who come from academia, and so they're sharing a new take on you know old and even ancient ideas, so we have to present it in a new way. And so everything you do needs to align with the book for the next few years. There's no reason you can't release a second one in six months or a year, mm -hmm. but if your primary objective for your first book is to get return on investment, um, then the faster you can get people to purchase the first book, and that's where the, the you know the urgency slash scarcity offer, the limited time bonuses for the book um, you know for the book launch publication really helps with that. But if you have a bigger audience, then you can be like a folks like James Patterson, the famous mm -hmm. novelist, or Danielle Steele, who release a book basically every six weeks because they have you know hundred million copies sold. <laughs> so they come up with a new book. It takes six weeks to read it. You're ready for the next one in the series. So, you know, in this day and age, everything is so digital. Not much like it was um, 30, 40 years 
ago. So how big of a role would you say social media plays into someone that's wanting to release a book? Should they have a certain image on social media? Should they brand themselves as an author? Should they just continue to do their thing, live their life? Or should they just have like a business page for the book or just um, let it all tie into one? Yeah, so I think that, speaking of paradoxes, to reference my earlier comments, I think social media for authors is a paradox, because it is simultaneously a waste of time, yet insanely profitable. So, <laughs> how do you tell the difference? Am I wasting time, or am I, am I doing a money-making activity here? Well, it all needs to be results-oriented. If you're, quote-unquote, doing social media, you're maybe posting a meme every other week. That's not really going to drive book sales. Exactly. Now, if you're thinking about how do I use, how do I leverage, let me use the word leverage, if you're leveraging social media to sell copies of your book, what does that look like? Well, that looks like maybe putting together a 30 second, 30, 60 second trailer for your book and boosting it on your page to your existing fans to, to yeah, get people to, to buy copies, but more so to hear about that special one-time offer that expires 48 hours from now <laughs> when the book's coming out. It looks like having a free Facebook group that maybe, you know, when you're, you're focusing on this, this offer, you say, hey, one of the bonuses is to join this free Facebook group. We're going to spend, you know, uh, the next three weeks doing a 21-day challenge to get results to read the book and implement it all together. Ask me, the author, any questions once a day. Doing a Facebook Live broadcast right here in the group. That's a great way I see a lot of authors, including clients of mine, doing to sell a whole lot of copies. And, of course, motivate people to tell their friends about they're doing this 21-day challenge. You've got to get a copy yourself and, and join. So if the, um, if the result of your social media is going to be selling copies of your books, you should do social media. But if you're if you can't quite connect, getting on Instagram, the selling copies of your book, you probably shouldn't do it. How important would you say, like, if you're that first time writer and you're about to release your book, how important is your cover? Is that like the deal breaker when it comes to writing a book? No matter like how you could have the best book written in the world, but if your cover is like a little bit off, is that the deal breaker? How can, how can you really set yourself apart on a on on the shelf? I would say. Yeah, setting apart your your book on on the shelf, whether it's a literal physical bookshelf or a digital bookshelf, which is more common nowadays, since roughly three quarters of all books are purchased on Amazon. Mm -hmm. There's a seventy five percent chance that your reader, the first time they see your book, it's a teeny tiny, eensy weensy thumbnail <laughs> on Amazon. Okay, so like the you more squinch to see it. <laughs> Right, so the more crap you put on your book cover, <laughs> the less noticeable you become. Mm -hmm. So what works for book covers nowadays? Think minimalist, right? To use a buzzword every millennial likes. Oh, it's all about minimal. Think simple. <laughs> think color contrast. Think maybe one object, maybe your face plastered on the book cover if your book is like designed to establish you as a consultant or a coach or a speaker or kind of like an expert, you personally, mm -hmm. uh, then yeah, you need to be on the front cover. Another thing I'm seeing is the cover is just text. So like whatever your, your book title is, blow that thing up to take up the entire book cover 
And so that when people see the cover, there's a nice, beautiful color contrast where they can see the title, you know, the, the, the maybe the subtitle, the author name, those aren't as important as long as mm-hmm. they can see the subtitle. A really successful book I had recently, uh, what was on the cover was it was a, is a nice, beautiful navy blue background with white text and below the, um, uh, below the title was a subtitle with uh, a kind of a yellow banner in the background with blue text. So it was like dark blue, white, and yellow worked really well for that color contrast. Another one I, I did that uh, this book sold about 30,000 copies over six months of its release. It was just like, it went, it went wow. crazy. Like that's enough to get on a New York Times bestseller list like six times. Wow. <laughs> and this book, three colors, white, black, orange. That's it. Like, of course, those are the colors of the Cincinnati Bengals professional football team <laughs> you know, down the road from where I am. That kind of resonated with me. But, uh, again, simpler is better. Think as easy as, as easy as possible it could possibly be to see what your book is about. Even if there's nothing on the cover but text, like, that's okay. You have a very small small picture that you're showing people it's not like they can study this book and oh look at all this beautiful clip art and these photos and five five typefaces and four fonts no simple clear simple less is more that's right i've been learning so much from you we're definitely gonna have to bring you back one day to get into some other topics but what are three books everyone should read like right now Oh, this is good. So the first one I will say, I, I dropped this author's name a few moments ago when I was talking about getting everything you can out of all you got. That's the tagline of um, the marketing consultant and kind of mar- marketing coach of Damon John. Mm-hmm. I've met Damon a few times. Good, good rapport. Everyone always looks at the pictures of us and they're like, you look like a giant. Are you eight feet tall? <laughs> and to which I say, well, basically... <laughs> I played basketball in high school, so you know I, have to, I had to play basketball because I'm so tall. Oh, you have some case, high. Uh, the marketing consultant of Damon John is a guy named Jay Abraham. Back in two thousand, I believe it was two thousand nine, during kind of the height of the of the last recession ten years ago, uh, he wrote a book. Jay Abraham did called the Sticking Point Solution. Mm-hmm. It's more so a marketing strategy book than like a how to launch your first Facebook ad campaign. It's more so, here's the best way to think about growing your business when the economy is falling apart. Wow. So there's a lot of people right now in the uh, the mainstream press and in the media who are predicting an imminent recession within the next 6 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. And so that's a book that a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, even aspiring authors can read to kind of get a handle on what works in the midst of a uh, in the midst of a, an economic downturn, how you can come out profitable. So the, the book title of that again was the sticking point solution, referring to the phrase like I got stuck, was stuck in a terrible economy. Well, how do you get unstuck? So it's the sticking point solution by J. Abraham. That would be the first one. I love it. That's I'm it. definitely gonna check that one out. So the second one is a little more practical for people who are at the aspiring stage. And it's a book that really helped me back when I turned pro, went from being kind of a part-time freelance writer, side hustler guy. At the time, I think uh, my first project, <laughs> and it's writing, well, I got paid $1.67 an hour. 
Come on. So, at the bottom of my industry is where I, I began, and I've come all this way. And one of those books that was instrumental on my own personal great leap forwards was a book called The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo. And it's really about how do you start a viable business? Maybe this business, it's, it, it, only, it only brings in, it only nets you $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But in most, you know, in most uh, uh, mid-sized cities, 50K goes a long way. Right. Uh, you know, even, even in some larger cities like Cincinnati or, or Columbus or Chicago, you can do okay on 50K. Right. Uh, your, your income. So the $100 startup, how to turn $100 into a $50,000 a year side hustle or freelance gig or more, that was essential for me because it showed me all the stuff I should not be focusing on. Wow. <laughs> it really narrowed, uh, narrowed down my focus. So stuff you didn't even realize you were focusing on, this book kind of helped you break those barriers. Absolutely, because then you're not splitting your focus across 100 different useless tasks. You're just doing two things that you know are going to move you forwards. Ooh, can't wait to read that one. (laughs) And then the third one, I'm going to be able to cloy with this one, I have to admit, Kristen, and that is you have to go read one of the books that I've ghostwritten. Of course! That said, how do you know which ones I've ghostwritten? Right. So most of my most of my clients, given that they're A-listers, they're very well-known, they're well-known people, as is common with, with celebrity ghostwriters, we have non-disclosure, confidentiality agreements, mm-hmm. so we really can't give you know, the, the name, the title, that sort of a thing. But there have been several um, entrepreneurs, established successful entrepreneurs, including well-known CEOs in their industry, who have basically handed me a testimonial and say, I don't care who knows you write me, you're just that good. So <laughs> on my website, you'll find roughly 10, I think, 10 testimonials, case studies of established, even well-known authors who share what their experience was, the title of the book, how we went from book idea to a profitable business builder. Um, and so there's maybe three, four hours of content breaking down how uh, I've, I've helped authors turn their book ideas into some serious bankable cash. Wow. Can you give our listeners where they can find you? Of course, we're going to put all of this in the show notes. But your novels that you've written, tell us what they are. Yes, yes. So because that was so years ago, the, the series is out of print. Uh, it was called the Max Myers Adventure Series. And given that I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, when I was growing up, my, my favorite movie franchise was Indiana Jones. And so I kind of like to think of, of the Max Myers Adventure Saga as the millennial Indiana Jones novel series. <laughs> so it was, you know, you've got all the things of historical intrigue and bringing in real life, real world, actual events and spinning them into something new. And there's a little bit of speculation in there. There's a little bit of everything at, at the time. And uh, I, I never ended up getting back to the series just because I found the experience of being a ghostwriter so much more uh, rewarding, and it actually became a, a business, whereas novel writing was kind of a side hustle while I was growing my writing business. It just <laughs> made sense to bring in my greatest skill, which was book writing, into my existing freelance writing business. Wow, I love it. And one thing I always like to ask, so the... Did you start off in the corporate world? You realized that wasn't for you. Then you just started writing, or did you just always have a passion and just started writing? Never had to work like a, a regular nine to five job. 
Oh, I took the, uh, the the path to the great American dream, which has kind of become a nightmare for a lot of folks, unfortunately, <laughs> with our $2 trillion of student loan debt. But I got oh, I got two, two college degrees uh, in communications, roughly, so it was kind of close, business communications, so it was kind of close to what I'm doing now in terms of communicating on behalf of business clients. Wow. <laughs> so it wasn't really useless, but I did, in fact, find myself uh, in, you know, inside surrounded by the four walls of a cubicle. Uh, that did not that did not work for me. And so my TEDx talk is about how you free yourself from the cubicle life and how you, as I say, create your dream job from scratch. Oh, I love it as an entrepreneur. That just really motivates me. And I'm sure that that's going to motivate so many people that are tuned into this podcast. Where can our listeners find you and get in contact with you? Yes, yes. Head on over to entrepreneurswordsmith.com. Entrepreneurs is plural. Word and Smith are, well, Word and Smith. <laughs> entrepreneurswordsmith.com. <laughs> That's where you learn about previous books that I've that have ghostwritten, some that have sold thousands upon thousands of copies, some that have made their their authors millionaires, quite literally, uh, in the case of the one author that I mentioned earlier. But you'll see how it's done. While well, I break down the entire process of how we turned a vague book idea into a profitable literary masterpiece. Go ahead on over to entrepreneurswordsmith.com. Yes, thank you so much. Do you connect a lot on social media? Oh, yes, I do. In fact, I have quite a quite a bit of a LinkedIn following. Joshua Lysick, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also over at YouTube. I have over 90 trainings on book writing, book publishing, book marketing. I'm a YouTube channel under my name, Joshua Lysick. Uh, the most recent video that I published, actually, is a tip to build trust with your readers. So the moment someone picks up the book, how do you build trust between you as the author and them as the reader you've never met before? How do you do that? There's a training on my YouTube channel. As promised, here's a behind the scene clip of Joshua giving me advice on how to formulate my chapters. He gives me a four step process that will make my chapters more efficient and effective when trying to get a point across to my readers. You're sharing your personal story. That's always important to have personal stories. Um, okay. My, my perspective as, as a ghostwriter is to not just look at what works, but also to consider what doesn't work and how we can make that and everything else work in order to entertain, delight, and yes, challenge <laughs> the reader. Um, and in order to, uh, to to have that result, there's a couple things I would recommend uh, pending my analysis. Mm -hmm. and the first thing I would recommend is actually a best practice from the traditional publishing world. Every nonfiction bestseller you're going to pick up, whether it's Christian living or self-help and business, uh -huh. they all follow this simple template, this chapter template, which is as follows. It's a four-point template that you know, every chapter follows this, regardless of whether it's you know it's in a Christian topic or in a secular topic or has a little bit of both. And that template is start with a story. Okay. So every chapter has to start with a story. It doesn't have to be your own story. It could be the story of well, it could be the story from someone in, in the Bible where mm -hmm. maybe you're not necessarily. You don't have a, a wall of text where you're literally quoting a scripture, but maybe you are in your own vocabulary and your own storytelling style, sharing the story of 
Esther or of Daniel or of uh, Lydia, you know, whoever you want, <laughs> whoever you want to choose. It could be a story. It could even be the story of someone that you know, uh, the, a relative, a grandparent, whose story really illustrates what you're going to talk about. So every story, or every chapter needs to begin with the story. So with this chapter that I read about Star Healing, um, you start telling a story about three pages in, that's mm-hmm. where you start the chapter. Okay. And then you give the scripture verse that actually, right now, begins the chapter. So I would just kind of flip those. So start with the story, uh, you know, the conversation that you had, um, you know, you feel like you're really doing the right thing. Some question like that, oh, that was a powerful question, that line of dialogue, <laughs> that's how the chapter starts. I open the chapter and I read, you ask that question, I can't put the book down. Because then I'm like, well, what, what is this person doing that they've agreed is not the right thing? I, I see, I have to keep reading, I can't put it down. Right, <laughs> okay. So that's the first the, the first tip I'll give is to start with the story as part of the template. The second part of the template is to get to the point of the story, like a, a crystal clear single point of the story. And okay. one of the things to notice about this chapter, and it maybe it's changed since I've I've read it. I mean, updated here and there. So this is a couple of years old, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like we moved from point to point to point. Um, so you made a point about forgiveness and a point about something else, and we're you know, to, to me, it's like it felt like we're making a lot of really good points. To be fair, really good points, all backed up by by scripture. But we want to make sure that every chapter covers only one topic to really keep it clean and feel like I can put all of my mental brain power, mental focus, and even spiritual uh, growth on this one thing. Okay. And it did feel like we we brought up a few different points. So let's have one story and bring it to to one simple point that I that. Anyone can digest, even in there, distracted, they've got Facebook <laughs> notifications going off and everything. They can still focus on the point. So that's the second part of the template that you'll want to use. The third part of the template is, it has an interchangeable term, framework, theory, technique, tip, process. In your case, mm-hmm. it would be the set of scriptures that support the healing journey that you took that you want the readers to take as well. So okay. this is not necessarily just one chapter. It could be several in which you explain what that means to you. Um, I think you mentioned a Reverend Reverend Timothy Wright, if I remember the name correctly, and mm-hmm. and a, a, a um, uh, something that you meditated on that that Reverend shared that was meaningful to you. So these would all be kind of a collection of techniques that helped you get from where you were, where the reader is, to where they want to be. So okay. that's where you kind of have the meat of the chapter, so to speak. And then at the very end is the call to action. Like, okay, now what are you going to do? And you already have this. You have Rebecca's exercises, the five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> that's how you close the chapter. I think though right now that was like page maybe 10 of 17. Mm-hmm. So we might want to organ- reorganize the chapter a little bit um, so that we start with the story. The story comes at one point. Then we get into the scriptures that support that one point. And then we have the one activity we do in order to um, implement what we said. And, of course, every chapter really should follow that that template. So that would be my my analysis for this chapter. And that would probably would be reflected on the, the entire manuscript, the draft you have right now. 